welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. So greetings from the jungle. Right now I just wrapped up week four, and as of now I have five more weeks to go until I'm finished with this chapter. I'm so close, but yet it still feels so far away. But I'm here, taking it day by day, one step at a time. So this episode is about paranoia, my bomba experience, and El Chapo. Not the Mexican drug lord, but the drink. So before we start, I want to thank everyone who is supporting the show. Right, If you're listening, thank you for your support. More specifically, I want to thank all the people who have left positive reviews, bought gear, pine pollen, and the fermented herbal tonics. Also to all the people who have sent me personal messages, thank you. I have a new Instagram page specifically for the podcast. The link to that is in the show notes, although I haven't updated it much since being down here, but go check that out. And always, I encourage you to reach out with any questions you may have about my journey or anything I've discussed. And if you would like to support the show, one of the easiest ways is to get you some podcast gear. I have stickers, hats, mugs, t-shirts, and hoodies. And I get compliments about on the t-shirts and the hoodies all the time, so get one out. Great conversation starter. I also have fermented herbal tonics and pine pollen tinctures available. And the pine pollen tinctures have been flying off the shelves and for good reason. This is because testosterone in both men and women is at an all-time low thanks to pesticides, microplastics, tap water, a sedentary lifestyle, and even wacky modern ideology. And the result of this epidemic of low testosterone is that most people are now overweight unfocused, depressed, have minimal muscle mass, and almost zero sex drive. Not to mention, the low testosterone is a major factor in why the masculine and feminine energies in our society are so out of whack and lacking harmony. So if you want to save yourself, save your relationship, and possibly even save the world, get you some pine pollen. My pine pollen is made with the best ingredients possible, raw, uncracked pine pollen harvested in the pristine Canadian wilderness, and organic cane alcohol. It doesn't get any cleaner than that. And lastly, at the very least, if you enjoy this podcast, please like it, share it, subscribe it, and leave a review, specifically if you're listening to this on the Apple Podcast app. It's a simple gesture that really helps me out. All right, so let's get into the episode. So on Friday, December 1st, 2023, I had a bomba. Bomba which means bomb in Spanish, is the term Ricardo uses to describe a very strong and wild ceremony. In many ways, the bomba experience is very similar to a bomb going off, a bomb of psychedelic medicine detonating into your psyche. See, over the years, I've always heard the term bomba, but never quite sure of its true definition. When I first heard about it six years ago, I thought it meant you shit your pants. So obviously, I was terrified of having a bomba. But thankfully, it doesn't necessarily mean that. Although, if you do happen to shit your pants, that definitely qualifies as a bomba. But what it really means is that the medicine opens up so strongly that you become overwhelmed by visuals, sounds, and feelings. For most people, it means absolute chaos. It means losing your shit and being unable to walk or function. In other words, it's when you leave it's when you leave Earth's atmosphere and get completely absorbed by the spirit world. For more experienced people, it basically means the same thing, but you're at least able to ride that 100-foot wave of chaos somewhat. 
But while you are riding that wave, you are holding on for dear life, knowing all the while that the slightest error will plummet you straight into the abyss of chaos. Now, because a bomba is so powerful, most people fear them, and rightfully so, because they are chaotic and can be terrifying. But if you can manage to hold on, they can often be the best ride of your life, thrilling, terrifying, and awe-inspiring all at the same time. And for me, that's exactly how my bomba went. I was able to ride that wave, but barely. Before I get into the details of my bomba, I need to take you back to the beginning of my year-long Sama. See, one of the things I knew about, one of the things I knew about and was even warned about in regards to Niwei Rao was that there is a lot of fear and paranoia that plagues this place. And it starts right at the top as Ricardo is very paranoid. But it's not just Ricardo or Niwei Rao or even the Shipibo. From my understanding, most indigenous jungle medicine cultures seem to be very superstitious and paranoid. It's a way of life in the jungle. I think this is because the spirit world is a very tricky place to navigate. The spirit world contains all kinds of different entities and energies, many of which are tricksters and many of which have straight up bad intentions. So when, so when one engages with these types of energies on a regular basis, you need to be very cautious and calculated with your movements, your thoughts, and your intentions. Not to mention that these cultures also regularly engage in spiritual warfare with each other. So if you spend enough time in the jungle, you will eventually hear about your center being attacked spiritually by another center. So a lot of what seems like paranoid thinking is in fact sometimes justified to a certain degree. But at the end of the day, it is a really complicated subject. See, there's an interesting book called Singing to Plants that documents this very well. Now, it has been a while since I've read, read this book, so I don't remember the details very well. But basically, this book says that if anything bad happens to someone in these jungle cultures, such as a freak accident a run of bad luck, or even a sudden death in the family, it is more often than not seen as a result of either someone sending them bad energy or that they themselves pissed off a certain spirit and are now being punished, right? This is, think of the stereotypical cliche of it hasn't rained in a while. Well, the rain gods must be pissed, right? Now, on one hand, this sounds ridiculous. But on the other hand, if everything is energy, which we know is true, then bad luck is nothing more than a certain energy frequency, right? So I guess it really comes down to how easy is it to attract bad luck or bad energy? How easy is it to send bad energy to someone else? How easy is it to piss off a spirit? The truth is, I have no idea, but I'm definitely trying to understand this a lot more. The book also says that these cultures are also not very confrontational, with each other. So when someone has a problem with someone else, instead of talking to them or even having a physical fight, if that's what's needed, what they do instead is hire a brujo to put a curse on them or to send that person bad energy. Then if that person experiences a run of bad luck, they assume it came from the person that they were having, that they've been beefing with. So then they hire a brujo to retaliate. So The jungle is essentially a spiritual war zone with negative energy missiles being fired back and forth between families, tribes, and even ayahuasca centers, everyone blaming someone else for their misfortunes. And see, this idea fascinates me because I do believe that energy exists, and I even believe you can send it towards someone. 
I also believe you can piss off spirits. But likewise, thanks to the principle of rhythm, we also know that life is cyclical. We know that you are going to experience ups and downs, just like you experience day and night, summer and winter, death and rebirth. Not to mention, nature is also metal, as they say, which means you live long enough, you will experience tragedy. No one gets out of this game unscathed or even alive. Nature is beautiful, but it's also brutal, right? I mean, some days you are going to be on the losing end of things. So how much of what we call bad luck Misfortune or tragedy is the work of malevolent spirits or brujos casting spells on you and how much of it is just life's natural cycles playing out. I wish I knew, but the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. See, now when it comes to Niue Rao and Ricardo, this paranoia gets into the head of most of the long-term dieters. And as a result, most long-term dieters become worried that someone or something is going to ruin their diet. This could be from accidentally touching or bumping into someone, someone giving you the evil eye, or even even self-sabotage, like thinking one too many bad thoughts, or eating some forbidden fruit like a banana. So long story short, most, not all, but most of the long-term dieters are absolutely terrified that they are going to ruin or even break their diet, not because they did something really bad, like have sex, drink alcohol, or do drugs, but because they made the slightest error and pissed off their plant. And look, I understand this. Long diets are extremely hard and require a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time, energy, and even money. And the last thing anyone wants to do is ruin their diet. And being 11 months in, I would be absolutely devastated if my diet was broken, especially over some bullshit reason like someone was jealous and put a curse on me or that I was having inappropriate thoughts about an apple. So I get it. But with that being said, I feel like the paranoia is definitely a little extreme here. In fact, this was one of the many factors in why I chose to do my diet the way I did, going back and forth between home and the jungle. Dieting is already hard enough, and the last thing I need is to add lots of fear to the mix. And it seems like the longer you stay here, the easier it is to become wrapped up in all the fear. Although, to be fair, there seems to be a lot less fear here now than in the past. But there's also a lot less long-term dieters, so coincidence? I don't know, you tell me. But, now to be completely honest... I'm not sure how much of the fear is justified and how much of it is just paranoia. Like I said, the spirit world is hard to navigate, and it seems like the more I know, the more I realize how much I don't know. There definitely seems to be a fine line between truth and fantasy, between real energetic concerns and irrational paranoia. Where that line exactly resides, I do not know. One thing that I do want to make clear is that most of the fear and paranoia I'm talking about only really affects the long-term dieters, which is way less than 5% of the passengers that come to Niue Rao. This is because they are on a different path and have a different relationship with the plants and the medicine. So for most people, the people that come here for two weeks to even two months usually don't experience this. And so I want to be clear that I'm not discouraging anyone from coming here. This is one of the most authentic centers in Peru, and Ricardo is one of the best in the world. There is a reason why this place is booked solid for months. Just giving you all some insider information and telling you about my experience. And the truth is, if you are at the point in your journey where you are considering a long-term diet, you most likely know this already. And like I said, it's everywhere. Any decent center that hosts long-term dieters is going to deal with this. It's part of the culture. It's a way of life.
With that being said, one of the fear-based things that is said a lot here amongst the long-term dieters is that you should not be purging, aka puking, while on a long-term learning diet. Obviously, a healing diet is a different story. The idea is that if you are on a long-term diet, at some point after your initial cleaning phase, if you continue to puke, you eventually start puking out your medicine. You start puking out your plant, and if you do it too much, you may not have anything left once your diet is finished. Now, this seems absolutely crazy to me because, first of all, we are taking a purgative meant to help you release negative energies, and while there are many ways to release negative energies, one of the most effective ways is to vomit them up. And those of you that have done ayahuasca and have vomited know that it is a completely different feeling than that of throwing up. That is why it's called purging and not throwing up, because they are not the same. When you purge, it doesn't stink like vomit or feel like vomit, and once you get used to it, it actually becomes rather enjoyable because you can literally feel the release of energies that do not serve you. Now, I've never liked this idea that purging is bad for your diet. And well, to be honest, because I do in fact seem to be a purger. I don't purge every time, but over the course of my six-year ayahuasca career, I have purged more times than I haven't. And the same goes during this year. Now, like I said, there are lots of ways to get rid of negative energies. You can sweat, you can go to the bathroom, yawn, shake, or even just off-gas. But in my experience, throwing up is by far the most effective way of releasing negative energies. So, obviously, I don't like this rule because it seems to go against how I process energies. It doesn't seem fair, but I get it, right? Life is not fair. So I'm not whining, but I'm just trying to understand if this is actually a thing or is it just paranoid superstition. But because this rule or this recommendation does affect me so much, I would be lying if I said it didn't make me a bit worried or dare I even say paranoid. I mean, what if it's true? What if I really am puking out all my medicine? Is this why I'm not receiving messages, insights, and visuals like the others? Is this why my songs are not as good as I want them to be? Is this why I go for long stretches of time without feeling Ayuma's presence? See, this is what happens. Stay here long enough and the fear takes a hold of you. Another reason the fear and paranoia, another reason for the fear and paranoia is because all of this work is subjective and non-quantifiable. Meaning, there is no data or true standards in which to compare your results to. Not to mention, everyone has a different experience. So how do you determine if you are doing well or not? Well, that's a good question. It's hard to tell, especially on a day-to-day or even month-to-month basis. Slow progress can look like no progress, which fucks with your mind. Honestly, but honestly, this is true for all endeavors, right? No one ever makes constant noticeable progress every day. And most journeys are two steps forward, one step back on your best days. And sometimes you even experience weeks or even months of setbacks before you slingshot forward. So it's usually only once you look back over long periods of time, say nine months or sometimes even years, that you can finally see the true progress. So this process, like all processes, is an exercise in trust, faith, and patience. And without those things fear sets in. So anyway, over the course of the year, 
I have been really sitting with this idea that purging is bad is bad. I've been trying I've been sitting with the idea that purging is bad and trying to find some answers. And well, one of the messages I got was people process energies differently and your plant knows the difference between removing energies that do not need to be there and losing your medicine. With that being said, I do think it's possible to purge out your medicine, but in order for that to happen, I think you would have had to have made a very big mistake, like have sex, drink alcohol, eat pork, or do drugs while on an open diet. And while I have not been perfect, I can thankfully say that I haven't made any of those mistakes. See, nine out of 10 times immediately after I purge is when I feel Ayuma's presence the strongest. It's like I had to remove a blockage, an energetic blockage, to allow the energy of Ayuma to open up. So for the time I spent back home, that was my conclusion, and I felt confident. But then I get back here, and of course people start telling me, you know Ricardo says you shouldn't be puking, especially this late in your diet. Normally I wouldn't let this stuff get to me, but like I said, this place has a way of pulling you in. See, what's crazy is since being down here, I've been puking a lot. But this is because I have another issue going on. As I've discussed in previous episodes, my digestion is messed up from 11 months of no salt. And long story short, the lack of salt means I'm not able to absorb water. So the water I drink just sits in my belly for hours. And while ayahuasca, and well, ayahuasca doesn't like water or anything for that matter in your belly during ceremony. That's why you're That's why you're supposed to stop drinking water several hours before ceremony and why you usually don't eat after 1 p.m. Because of this, I've been trying to reduce my water intake, but I can only do so much, right? I mean, I obviously need to drink water, especially here where it's hot and humid and I'm sweating a lot. And so what happens to me during ceremony is that as soon as I drink ayahuasca, I start to get nauseous. I can tell ayahuasca doesn't like the water in my stomach. So after about an hour or so after drinking I tend to go outside and puke up all the water in my belly and then after that the medicine opens up and my ceremony officially begins and when it comes to purging I like to go outside not because I'm embarrassed but because it gives me some breathing room we are packed in the maloca like sardines so much so at times I almost feel claustrophobic I also like going outside because the water comes flying out of my mouth and it seems like the bucket can't contain it now obviously I wish this wasn't the case I wish my digestion was normal and it wasn't making me puke. Honestly, it's kind of getting annoying and rather uncomfortable, but it is the way, but that's how it is for now. But it's funny because a few other of the long-term dieters also go outside around the same time to either get some air or to practice singing. So they all see and hear me going to my favorite spot to do my thing. And I'm sure they all think I'm crazy or a bad student who is breaking the rules by purging. Or maybe not. Maybe that's me just being paranoid. With that being said, though, I truly believe that purging on a long-term diet is not only fine, but should be encouraged, and here's why. See, I may not be the perfect student. I may not have the best songs, or the most visuals, or the best insight, or even the strongest connection, but the one thing I do have is really clean energy. I would argue some of the best by far. Not that it's a competition, or that there is any way to prove this, but What I find is, is because people are so afraid to purge, they drink really small doses and try to hold everything in. Likewise, these same people also seem to be the same ones who are constantly asking Ricardo to remove heavy energies from them. 
Now, obviously, when it comes to heavy energies, it's a very complicated topic. But with that being said, and you can call me delusional if you want, but I believe one of the reasons I don't carry lots of heavy energies is because I release them with a vengeance. I mean, I thought that's what we were supposed to do, right? Anyway, I say all this to set up the scene for my bomba experience. So as the ceremony gets going, I feel a purge coming on. And right as soon as I was about to get up to go outside, I noticed my friend T getting up to go outside. And I knew exactly where he was going. He likes sitting on this bench very close to my spot. And in order for me to get to my spot, I have to walk right by him. So of course, I get in my head and I'm trying to resist the urge to puke because I don't want to be judged. I don't want him to judge me. So I'm fighting for my life, hoping he will come back inside real soon. But I couldn't fight it any longer. So I get up to go outside and sure enough, he's in his spot. And I knew this purge was going to be epic, so I had a decision to make. Do I walk by him and do my thing or do I try to find another spot? Well, because I'm so up in my head, I chose another spot thinking he can't see me. But as I get there, I realize I'm still in direct view. But at this point, I don't care. Honestly, he probably doesn't either. The truth is he's probably more worried about his own experience than mine. And again, this is why it's called paranoia. So I go to this new spot and I start puking, shooting water out of my mouth. And as soon as, and as, soon as this is happening, the medicine starts opening up big time. And so there's this bench nearby. So after I'm done puking, I sit on the bench to, to center myself. And at this point, I'm very deep in it and on the verge of a bomba. I then start singing to clean off any remaining negative energies and to try to keep myself focused so I don't lose my shit. And it starts working. I actually start feeling really good, which is awesome because it's a lot of fun to sing when you're really deep in the medicine. The songs just start flowing out seamlessly. So because I was feeling good, I start singing to open up the world of Ioma. And as soon as I did that, I was blasted off into outer space. In fact, I don't think I've ever been as deep in medicine as I was in that moment. I was so deep in it that I had to stop singing and just sit there and try not to freak out. And this night was extremely beautiful. In fact, one of the best parts of being in the jungle is going outside while on the medicine. So I was sitting there looking at the maloka in the sky above when my visions really started to open up. And earlier I said I blasted off into outer space, but that's not really true. What happened was more of an expansion of my awareness. I was still in the physical present world looking at the maloka when the spirit world showed up. So now I'm looking at the maloka and I can see both its physical form and its spiritual representation overlaid on top of it. It was really cool. I then started hearing other entities whispering and I heard sounds of what I can best describe as crackling, which is very common for me when I'm fully absorbed in the spirit realm. Then suddenly there were this was weird because there were lots of people walking around. Now, I'm 99% sure they were real. They seemed like some of the employees, but it was just weird because they were moving extremely fast and whispering. And I've spent a lot of time outside every ceremony because I practice singing. And I've never seen that many non-participants walking around. Granted, it was only like six people, but the timing of everything just felt odd. But... Like I said, I saw the spirit world overlaid on top of the physical world, which was awesome because it felt extremely real. 
See, I've had many crazy visions before, like interacting with fairies, but those always seem more dreamlike. It's a whole other level to be in the real world on earth, but have the spirit world come to you. So I just sat there for about 15 minutes and watched the show and enjoyed myself. Honestly, it was all I could do. At this point, I wasn't really able to move off the bench. But then about 15 minutes or so, El Chapo came in to punish me. Not really, but I did get punished. But it wasn't by the Mexican drug lord. It was Ayuma punishing me for drinking Chapo. And look, I know, there I go, sounding paranoid, right? Although, like I said, a lot of these energetic concerns are real. So anyway, Chapo is this extremely tasty drink that for some reason is considered diet-friendly, which makes absolutely zero sense. Chapo is made from overly ripe plantains, which are super sweet. And what they do is they basically boil the plantains and then blend them into a smoothie-like consistency, which is absolutely heavenly. Now, it's funny because according to Ricardo, you can have all the chapo you want, but you can't eat an apple, banana, or any other fruit. Again, makes no sense, but I'm not complaining because chapo is better than nothing. But there is a catch. Some plants don't like chapo, and Ayauma just so happens to be one of them. Ayauma hates anything that is sweet, which is fine with me because I'm not a fan of sweets either. But after 11 months of restriction, chapo is very tempting. Now, I've always known that Ayuma doesn't like Chapo. In fact, I got that message when I opened up my diet, which was fine with me because I spent most of my time back home. Chapo wasn't even an option. But then I get back here and I try to test the waters again. I think maybe enough time has passed that I'm far enough along in my diet that Ayuma will give me a pass. So I drink it when I arrive. Then at my first ceremony back, I get the message that I shouldn't be drinking Chapo. So I try to bargain with Ayuma. I say, what if I drink it on non-ceremony days? <clears throat> well, I don't get an answer, so I figure, I figure I'm good. So I did that for a while, and it seemed to be okay. But then, because I'm maybe hard-headed and I like to push the envelope a bit, I thought maybe it would be okay to drink just a tiny amount first thing in the morning on ceremony days. So I did that. And that night's ceremony, I didn't feel great, but I also didn't really feel bad. But it's kind of hard to tell, because in fact, I haven't felt great in the last four months, so it seemed worth it. Then, then I decided to take a break from ceremonies because I was feeling, I was just feeling tired and run down. See, after 11 months of being in a diet, there comes a point where rest and food becomes way more important than another ceremony. And so during this break, I was drinking Chapo like it was going out of style. And the reason I did this was not because I'm trying to be an asshole. <laughs> I'm really not. I did it because I'm trying to survive my last few weeks. Like I mentioned, my health is absolutely wrecked from the lack of nutrients and calories. I've lost a lot of weight, and I have little to no energy. I figured Chapo was an easy way to get some extra calories and nutrients as it does have a decent spectrum of vitamins and minerals, and the natural sugars can help replenish electrolytes. Well, after drinking lots of chapo for five days in a row, it was back to ceremony. And as I sat there on that bench experiencing my bomba, I started tasting chapo. And then it went from tasting good to tasting bad to tasting really sour and rotten. And I could then feel the energy of it in my body. And it was this heavy, sticky energy. 
So I sat on the bench for about 10 minutes just being suffocated and consumed by this sour, sticky energy of Chapo feeling like I was going to die. I then felt Ayuma's presence and he said, I told you not to drink it and now you'll know why. And then I just started puking. And what's crazy is now I don't even know if I can ever drink it again. The taste of it literally went from sweet to sour to rotten. So me being greedy with Chapo might have permanently cost me one of my favorite drinks. I don't know. We shall see. When I close my diet, I may try it again. But who knows? Right now, I'm a little afraid to drink it again. Anyway, after my Chapo experience, the rest of the night was good. The bomba calmed down just enough so that I could function. And then I went back inside and enjoyed the rest of my ceremony. My intention that night was to get my digestion system worked on. And after my song, my digestion system felt way better. And so far, it's been a week since that ceremony, and my digestion has felt the best it has in several months. So that's good news. Also, another piece of good news is the, that the bomba seemed to shake me out of the funk that I've been in for the last several months. I feel the best I have in a long time. My digestion feels good, and my energy levels feel much higher. So we shall see if this continues. The one thing I do know is that there will be no more chapel for me while this diet is open. See you on the other side.